Hi, I'm Liz Corey. And I'm Katie King. And this is True, True Crime, Crime New England. England. Hey, everybody. Hello. What's up, Katie? Oh, not much. Yeah. How are you? Huh. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I'm kind of in that weird stretch where it's like I work one day have one off and then I'm on three yeah have two off and then have like two on and it's I hate that shit it's awful and especially when you work nights it's like you spend that one day in between sleeping and like catching up and then it's you don't get anything done and it's not even enough to (laughs) catch up no no it's It's just a little tease of what could have been (laughs) what could have been right pretty shitty it is pretty shitty but you know so that's how my life is going oh lately. my god liz i thought you were gonna have to do this episode by yourself today oh my god <laughs> as i'm driving to get to liz's apartment i was stuck in traffic <laughs> and then a cop car goes whizzing by i'm like oh my god there's an accident i see like three fire trucks an ambulance whiz by i'm like oh my god so something's on fire someone's dying it yeah. has to be a multi-car crash <laughs> I inch up closer. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking Christmas parade. Oh, my God. You were texting me like, Liz, I'll be there at four. And then you were like, just kidding. Just kidding. I don't know when I'll be there. Yeah. If I'll even get there tonight. Like, That's so fucking annoying. It was so bad. And we're recording this two days after Thanksgiving. It's the 27th of November. So it's like, okay. I'm not understanding the need for a Christmas parade. <laughs> right I'm not now. either. And maybe we're similar to this in this regard I'm not someone who puts up a Christmas tree the day after Halloween I'm I'm the opposite of that no I'm the same way yeah so like and I'm not a huge fan of Christmas music playing before December like I don't really so for me if I was stopped behind a parade with Santa on a fucking fire truck yeah (laughs) at the end of November I'd be like are we serious right now I was refraining from Honking my horn and being mm. belligerent because I'm like, there's children actively enjoying this. So yeah. I'm like, okay, just wait it out. I tried to find a detour. Mm-hmm. I was turned around. Tried to find another detour. It was turned around. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to have to wait it out. Yeah. And it turned out not being too bad. No, it wasn't too bad. It was just annoying. My, I could feel my blood pressure oh <laughs> like my escalating. God. And I'm like, okay, in through the nose, <laughs> out through the mouth. Like, it's not that serious. <laughs> so, yeah. But I'm here now, You're so here it's fine. now, all in one piece. And you know what? This just reminded me, because I just swear so much. When I was at Thanksgiving, my, my uncle was like, oh, we were talking about my podcast. I'm sorry, our podcast. And... <laughs> I was, we were just talking about it because my aunt and my cousins listen and um, he was like, oh, I don't listen to it. And I know he was joking, but he was like, because you swear too much. And I was like, I swear in normal life like that. And he was like, do you though? It's never your friend that swears. It's always you. And I'm like, I feel like I swear so (laughs) much on this. I'm like, are you for real? We both swear a lot. Yeah. And that's how we are in real life. Oh yeah. So it's like, uncle. Come on now. Yeah, what the fuck, Uncle? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. He was just kidding. He oh, was, good. He's not oh, good. into true crime like uh, me and my cousins are. Oh, good. And they, every week, they're like, I'm still waiting for my shout out. I'm still waiting for <laughs> my shout out. And now I'm like, maybe I just shouldn't say anything. I'm not going to say their names. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's where I'm at whenever someone's like, aren't you going to talk about me on the podcast? I'm like, well, now you're to the bottom of my list yeah. on the people I want to talk about. Yeah. Like, you just earned yourself the last position on my list. Oh, my God. 
Maddie, Grace, and Anna, my lovely cousins, Hi. my besties. <laughs> but they're always like, oh. And I do feel bad because last week we talked about, um, or one of the episodes, we talked about UVM. And yeah. Maddie attended UVM, and she was like, I'm hurt. I'm like, I realized <laughs> it afterwards, and I was like, I'm sorry. I realized that would have been the perfect opportunity. Uh, yes. It was right there, and I missed it. Sorry. That's okay. Hopefully I make up for it right now. It's like okay. 30 seconds ago. Yes. There, I said your name. Happy. Anyway. Anyway, this is going to be the last episode, you guys, before we go on a little break for the holidays. Yes. So this comes out on December 9th. Mm-hmm. And we will be on a little holiday hiatus because we deserve it. I think, yeah, we've been busting our asses. Yes. 25 episodes, you guys. Yes, dude. And... We will come back. Our next episode will be on January 6th. We'll be coming back after Christmas and the new year um, just to give us a little break, you know. Um, I hope you guys understand how much work goes into this podcast. It's a lot. It's unpaid labor, which is, that's not a complaint. No. But it's just, it'll be nice to have a little holiday hiatus. Yeah, a little break. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll be back the first Thursday of mm-hmm. the new year. Yes. So, so it'll be fine. Expect us then with episode 26. Yeah. It's going to be a good episode. We're coming back with a bang. Oh my God, yeah. For sure. Something you guys will just die for. Get it? Because crime. Haha. <laughs> dying. Dying is <laughs> a joke. Um, so. But yeah, speaking of, we are not going to be dead during our holiday hiatus. We'll mm-hmm. still be active on our social media. Yes. You can message us, send us cases. We'll look over them. Um, we'll probably post a couple case profiles just to be putting those out there still. They'll yeah. be on our website too. But yeah, um, it'll also be a really good opportunity for you guys that kind of bounce around and don't listen in order mm-hmm. to catch up yeah. on some of our older episodes. For sure. So it'll be good. Let's, how about right now I'm putting you on the spot sure. what's your favorite episode we've done so far Ooh, I loved the Sheila LaVar episode yeah, I'm kind one. of biased towards that one yeah that was a fun that was good that was a fun one and yeah. I also loved Gary Lee Schaefer and then the Cheshire Home Invasion mm. mm-hmm. surprisingly the Cheshire Home Invasion has a fuck ton that had a lot of, of listens. listens yeah yeah because people are sadistic <laughs> yeah no I get it that's I, an intense one it is really intense but it's been People have been so given so much love to that one specifically, mm-hmm. like and it's funny because we know we know this because on Anchor, you know the app we use, um, it's like it shows you know our listens every week and how they stack up. And for some reason, episode eight, the Cheshire Home Invasion, it like skyrocketed compared to the ones around it. Yeah, which was so strange yeah. but so cool. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, that's a good one. What are your favorite episodes we've done, Liz? I really enjoyed um, doing... I just had it in my brain, and I immediately forgot. Oh. (laughs) I really enjoyed doing um, episode six, Robert Joyle. Yeah. That was a really interesting case. Yeah. And um, the fact that I live nearby is cool. Like, it's kind of creepy. And I went to the Denny's parking lot where he was murdered a few weeks later, and it's just a... I don't think it's not a functioning Denny's, but it's weird because all the lights are on and inside, <laughs> but there's no one there. Um, so I really liked doing that one. And um, so that was a favorite episode six. 
I also really liked doing Constance Fisher episode yeah, 12. Yeah, that was such a good one. That one was really interesting too. That was such a good one. And we got the sweetest message about that case yes, too. Yes, we did. The sweetest we feedback. We really did. I mean, and that meant so much to us. Yeah. Um, that is a good episode. And because, you know, as a postpartum nurse, I empathize and really understand the whole postpartum psychosis slash depression slash anxiety mm-hmm. thing you know it's really important to bring awareness so for sure i'm glad we could do that with that episode for yes. sure and also kind of still love our first episode i was gonna say that that one will always hold a very special yeah. place in my heart the disappearance of maura murray so good and it's so funny because like in that episode we were <laughs> young we were spry and it was funny because we were saying like she, you know she went to the liquor store and she bought it was like Kahlua and vodka and like I was like what kind of drink is she making oh yeah I was like that's weird and then one of my friends from growing up she messaged me and she was like that's a white Russian and I was like oh so I'm just dumb and I made fun of her this missing woman for (laughs) buying alcohol and it made a random assortment so we thought a random assortment and I was like oh Light oh, Russian, I've heard of that before. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's a legit thing. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay. But anyway, those are my favorites, I yeah. think. Um, cool. Maura Murray is easily our best episode yeah. in terms of listens. It's actually like triple what we, ha- like the next most listened. It's nuts. It's insane. Yeah. I love it. It's so cool. It's really fucking awesome. It's actually probably quadrupled now that I think of it. Yeah. It's amazing. And I, I love it. It's so cool. So... Why don't you, in the comments below, no, just kidding, but, like, please tell us your favorite episodes, whether yeah. it's on Instagram or True. through the contact, because, you know, we like doing these and we like bringing awareness to shit, so it's fun to hear what you guys enjoyed. For sure. Um, and especially if you have, like, a certain kind of true crime that you enjoy, like... For example, I don't care for, like, mafia-related... Oh, I'm the same Or, like, way. mob or, like, drug car- cartel. Like, it doesn't interest me in the same way. So, like, what interests you guys, or doesn't, maybe, you yeah, know, in like that regard? Yeah, like, what certain aspect of true crime is you guys' favorite versus least mm-hmm. favorite? And then yeah. also, what kind of cases would you like to see more of mm-hmm. from us? Like, disappearances or, mm-hmm. um, I don't know... Murders, mm-hmm. cold cases, yeah. whatever. What? Yeah, female serial killers yeah. or just female killers in general. Um, whatever you guys want, this is for you as much as it is for us. Yes. Yeah. So, anywho. Anywho, the case we have today. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those ones where the information is hard to find. It was very... Sporadic. I feel like researching this was very sporadic, but we also do have enough information to tell the story. So yeah, it'll yeah. be a good episode. It's some of it's kind of vague, but um, it's definitely eye-opening and kind of fucking creepy. Oh, it's a wild case, and it's unsolved. Yeah, it's a cold case, mm-hmm. so it'll be good. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. And without further ado, we will be covering the case of the murder of, of Jerry, Jerry Ann Richard. Richard. Okay, and for the last time of 2021, Katie, your sources, perhaps if you could, may please. <laughs> I am actually going to switch it up today <gasps> and say that none of my sources this time are from Wikipedia. 
oh shit. This is like groundbreaking. <laughs> yes, and I just realized I don't have any on Wikipedia either. <gasps> oh, oh god, are we gonna lose our sponsorship with that? <laughs> Guys, donate to Wikipedia and Murderpedia. They do god, I work. wish they'd sponsor us. Right? Oh my god, we'd be rich. Um, but the sources I do have are AP News, LA Times, UPI.com. I got a couple articles from them. Mm-hmm. Turn to 10, Web Sleuths, and then the New York Times. Awesome. I had literally all of those as well. Plus the LA Times, plus this Facebook group Ooh. called The Forgotten Cases. Yeah, it was a post from 2014. I was like, wow, oh, we're shit. throwing it back. Yeah. Where were, where were you in 2014, Katie? I think we were in were we freshmen, freshmen in high school. <laughs> Ew. Damn. That's gross. Let's not go back there. Oh, God. Forget Fuck that. that. <laughs> we had uh, world history together that we did. year. And gym. Oh, God. Fuck that. The trauma. Yeah, what? We, mandatory gym class. Oh, we do not need, we should get out of that memory while we're still ahead of it. <laughs> Let's talk about Jerry Ann Richard. <laughs> this case is. It's really sad because Jerry and Richard is a four-month-old baby girl. Um, and it's just, you know, the murder of Jerry and Richard, a little baby. Her picture is so cute. Oh, my God, it's so cute. It'll uh, be on our uh, Instagram and our website. But. It looks like a typical 80s baby in, like, the christening-like dress. Yeah. She's so cute. She's so goddamn cute. Oh, my God. It hurts your, it really hurts your heart reading about this. So, basically, the timeline for the night into the morning of when she was, this happened, is vague. Yeah. It's very vague. What we know is that on November 11th of 1984, Jerry Ann Richard was reported missing from the, her apartment, which was located on 452 Main Street in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Um, she lived with her parents, Ralph and Donna. They were in their mid-30s, and she was an only child. She was the only baby, mm-hmm. so it was just them. And what's confusing is that they went to bed, they put Jerry Ann to bed, and when they woke up in the morning, she was gone. Now, they lived on the second floor of an apartment building, so they're like, what the hell? Where she walked, she just walked out. Right. right. <laughs> the four month old. Yeah. She's very advanced. She, she had great neck control. Fuck you, mom. <laughs> I'm not thinking about it. I'm running away. It's not a phase. <laughs> so she, it's just like very bizarre. Yeah. And also immediately suspicious of the parents. For sure. Because it's like, okay, where's your baby? Right. You're where is telling, this kid? <laughs> right. You're telling me that somebody got a ladder. And climbed up in the window and took your baby and she didn't make a peep. You guys didn't hear. There was no evidence of like a struggle. There was no blood or no DNA evidence. So what what happened here? Right. I think that that makes it even more suspicious, too. That's because it's like, where are the exact times? Where are the exact dates? Like, why are we relying on? the main suspects for this information. Right, right. And the only thing we even have to like kind of indicate a time is not even a good indication. No. Basically that night, Donna Richard said that her cat like meowed in the middle of the night and it woke her up. And she said she just kind of like shushed him and pulled her back into bed and was like, oh, good night, like calm the cat down. And later she claimed that she wondered if maybe the cat was trying to tell her something. 
which sounds a little hokey, but like I get that. Usually when cats, cats can tell when something's wrong and they'll perk oh, yeah. up or meow. So sure, maybe, but she didn't give, there was no time when that happened. She doesn't know the exact time. It was just very vague. That's yeah. all they really have to go on. Yeah. So the parents, um, 34-year-old Ralph and 33-year-old Donna, they had given a televised plea. They were like, whoever has our daughter, you need to bring her back. Donna's sobbing on the television. And this was one of the most televised cases of this time. Yeah. Which is so weird. Why couldn't we find anything? Right. So it's like, uh, where is all the information? Like, why were these parents not probed more for information? And and why also didn't they have a lot of this information. Like, if you have a four-month-old baby and that's your only child, I get that it's the 80s, mm-hmm. and parenting was kind of lax back then. <laughs> For lack of better But word. you would think, like, okay, I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning and checked on the baby and she was still asleep. Right. Like, where is that? Right. Right. It's very suspicious immediately. Yep. And we all know, we've seen it from plenty of perpetrators, how easy it is to fake crying and fake pleas on TV and stuff. For sure. I'm not saying that she was, but it is something that can be done. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And so nowadays you don't see really people like making televised pleas so much. Um, So this was a pretty big deal. And, you know, it's Rhode Island. And we've talked about how safe and simple Rhode Island is. It was a pretty big deal. A form of old baby just disappeared into thin air. It, yeah, this was a huge case. It sucks. It yeah. sucks. And it's so just like, what happened? You don't know. Until, of course, you know, four days later, on November 15th of 1984, unfortunately, Jerry Ann's body was found in a narrow alleyway, and it was less than a block away from the fucking apartment. Yeah. <sighs> Which, the location, too, is a little... Suspish, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, so this alley was in the industrial part of Pawtucket, so not really that nice, it sounds yeah. like. Um, not that I think Pawtucket, Rhode Island would have, like, <laughs> like the sketchy part, yeah, the yeah. wrong side of the tracks. Yeah. But, like, yeah. you know, the, the way it that this was portrayed. Right. Yeah. Not a cute little suburb. Right. Right. Yeah, so Jerry Ann's body had been raped and then bludgeoned over the head at least three times. She had a skull fracture, and it was later determined that she was picked up and slammed headfirst into a broad, flat object with such force that it bruised her lungs. That is just the most scary thing. A four-month-old baby girl. And you know if it bruised her lungs, that means she was alive. Yeah. Because your body's not going to bruise after you've passed away. So that breaks my heart. She probably must have felt so much pain. So much pain. Awful. Oh, and so that's called a deceleration injury. So like when the body is in motion and suddenly it stopped. <sighs> AKA like if you're, you take a body and you are swinging around and then slam it against a wall, mm-hmm. you're suddenly stopping that motion. That's a deceleration injury. So oh that's where God. that bruise is. Isn't that just awful? And so it makes you think, like, where was she killed then? It wasn't in the ho- the house. No, it wasn't in the house, and it also wasn't in the alley because mm-hmm. it was determined later that she was placed in the alley after right. she had passed. Right. So Dr. Arthur Burns, he was the medical examiner who performed the autopsy, and he said when he was in court that it was obvious that Jerry Ann wasn't killed in the alley, like you said, because mm-hmm. 
she was on like a swept pile of debris and garbage, which is so awful. Like, first first of, all. of all, what the fuck kind of sociopath is like, let me sweep up a pile of trash in this creepy ass alley and leave this four months old body there. Yeah. Ridiculous. It's so weird. But he said that there was no way she was killed there because, you know, she had a little blood oozing from her mouth and her nose, but there was not no blood in the alley. And that was a she had the kind of injury where there'd be blood. Mm-hmm. So they were like, okay, weird. And it was kind of obvious that, you know, four days had passed, but it was obvious that she had been dead probably that whole time. Mm-hmm. For a few reasons, they made that determination, you know, based on the level of her injuries and the state of decomp and that kind of thing. But also, and this is crazy, because of the sperm found in her. This was fucked. Yeah. So she's four months old. She had been raped, and there was still a small amount of sperm inside of her. So toxicologist expert Mary Thiel had determined that the enzyme that's commonly found in human sperm, it wasn't found in the sample from Jerry Ann. Mm -hmm. So this, they were able to determine that because this enzyme, a specific enzyme that was not found, it breaks down within 24 hours of sexual contact. So her rape had happened prior to her being left in the alley on the 15th of November. Right, right. So unfortunately, because of that, it seems like they couldn't get DNA from it or they couldn't match it because there was no... It was just basically, I want to say, like... How do I put this? Like, the casing versus, like, the DNA itself. So, like, the leftover of it. Yeah. Um, So they couldn't pull any DNA from it. And the fact that we're talking at all about a baby who's four months old with sperm makes me sick. It's very disturbing. It also makes you think because she went missing, you know, quote unquote, on the 11th. Her body was found four days later on the 15th. Was she in the alley the whole time? Right. Was she placed there later? Because it was only a block away. Right. From their house. And it's an industrial area. So there's people walking around. There's people. And you would have thought that they would do, you know, a thorough search mm-hmm. of at least the proximity around right. the apartment. So wouldn't they have seen it? That's a good, that's a good In the following point. days? Yeah. I think she was placed. She must have been placed there a little later then. I agree. Because that doesn't make sense. It you're, wouldn't, you're right. right. They would do a thorough. They should have done. A right. thorough or somebody would have come across like going out to have a cigarette in that alley right. or right. someone would have seen it between the 11th and the 15th. Right. And again, like we said, all the info is so vague. We don't know who discovered the body and like, you know, what time of day it was, that kind of thing. But I picture it being that, like you just said, with a guy going out to smoke a cigarette and it's like, I don't know, five in the morning. He's just he's been prepping the kitchen or whatever. Right. Exactly. He's wearing a dirty white apron and yeah, he's, yeah. he's has a pot belly and he's got dark hair <laughs> and he's like oh my god the fucking the catering today and then he's like cool what's that oh shit yeah yeah and it was november so it was probably cool enough where the body wasn't like rapidly decomposing if it had been outside right so it probably didn't have that much of a smell yet that's Maybe. Exa- yeah exactly yeah in so, rhode island too like yeah. our new england falls going into winter it's pretty cold it's fucking chilly especially at night so if someone mm-hmm. placed her body there under the cover of night it wouldn't be super obvious right it, she wouldn't just melt away right it's gonna be 30 degrees and it also gets dark so soon at like 4 30 <laughs> in the afternoon yeah that would be right after daylight savings so yeah, yeah. so she could have been there that whole time but 
for some reason, I don't think she was. I don't think she was either. Which is sad. And plus, you know, additionally, because of the whole, there was no blood found in the alley. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So law enforcement are scrambling to try to figure out who could have done Mm -hmm. something to a baby like this. So at first they thought that this was revenge for a failed drug deal because Ralph Richard, Jerry Ann's father, was involved in drug trafficking. Mm -hmm. Um, Just one year before Jerry Ann was abducted, taken out of the house, supposedly. Right, right. um, Her father, Ralph, was involved in a $100,000 marijuana transaction, but the money never got to the person that was supposed to get it in Miami, Florida. Oh. So that's like, uh uh-oh. Yeah. Like, get me my money. Where's my money? Mm -hmm. Um, So New Hampshire State Police got involved, and they told journalists that they sent information to Rhode Island State Police on two guys that they had record on in New Hampshire. Oh. Hey, I I lived there. (laughs) (laughs) Hey. Hey, represent. 59-year-old Frederick R. Silvestri of New Durham, New Hampshire, and then his son, 37-year-old Frederick R. Silvestri Jr., Oh. So the Silvestris were among five men convicted on federal drug charges in 1982 involving a shipment of 10,000 pounds of marijuana and 1,500 pounds of hash from New Hampshire to Mass. Oh. And Silvestri Sr. served a brief prison term for that sentencing. Gotcha. So Ralph Richard was tied to these guys. He had known ties to them. Mm-hmm. But he's trying to tell police, no, 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 they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't come after my daughter as revenge because the Miami deal where he owed this guy so much money and the guy never got it, mm-hmm. he said the deal was with, this is a quote, okay. a close friend and not with animals. Oh, sure, sure. So. Right, no, duh. Yeah. <laughs> So he's trying to tell police, like, no, 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 it's not related to my drug trafficking. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And the police are like, okay, so what is it related to then? Yeah. Who the fuck could have done this? Maybe he should have used that. If he's guilty, maybe he should have been like, oh, you know what? You're right. That's definitely something my buddies would do. The next natural progression, if it's not this guy's drug buddies and the mom is clear, is it the parents? Right. That was the natural progression of the investigation. Right. Makes sense. It does make sense. I think you should have just been like, yeah, I was definitely that Fred guy. <laughs> yeah. Fred Jr. and Fred Sr., they were... Yeah, they hated shit. <laughs> yeah, they, I might have gotten them in trouble. Yeah, they know. threatened to hurt my future children one day. <laughs> yeah. They were like... They, they threatened to come after my firstborn. Yeah. Like, just go off. Because it's, right now the suspicion fell on them. Exactly. And... I think it probably had a good reason to. I mean, of course, look at the parents. If there's no sign of forced entry, there's no sign of anything. Yeah, it's weird. Hello. Hello. Yeah. So eventually, not too long after, you know, the parents were under the spotlight of suspicion. Mm-hmm. And then what they charged them with was bizarre. Donna was charged with the murder of Jerry Ann. And Ralph was only charged with sexually molesting her. So their theory was fucking weird. I know. I'm like, how did you come up with this? Yeah. Like, what? So they thought that the night in question, Ralph sexually assaulted Jerry Ann, and then that was it. And then unrelated, Donna was like, this baby is annoying the shit out of me. Like, she was crying, and so she took her into the bathroom and killed her in the shower. Unrelated. So, like, the two didn't know that each had done something. 
Yeah, this is what confused me was their whole theory relied on the fact that Donna did not know that her husband raped her child. Right. So it was like, where's the, it just doesn't add up. Right, like where are you getting this from? But that was their that was their theory. Yeah, it just doesn't add up. No. It doesn't make sense. So they charged them separately, but with different charges. So they were, you know, seeking to indict Ralph on sexually assaulting and then Additionally, they were like, okay, and accessory to murder. They were just kind of tacking it on. Yeah. They claimed that Ralph was sexually frustrated, and so he raped his baby. That's, I mean, that's a loaded accusation, you know? Oh, for sure. That's horrible. Like, what do you have to do, first of all, to rape a four-month-old baby, but to rape your four-month-old baby? You have to be fucked up. Right. And then for the mom to go and unrelated kill her infant. Same night. I don't, I know. Does not add up. Does not, yeah. So Ralph, he took the stand in his own defense and was like, I'm innocent as fuck. So what kind of caught my attention was that, you know, during the trial, Ralph was normally very stoic and calm and he didn't have a lot of facial expressions, you know, very untelling of his face. And when... Dr. Burns, the medical examiner, was giving report on what happened, you know, the bruising of her lungs and the um, skull fracture and the, you know, all the horrible things. He broke down and was crying and, you know, breathing loudly. And, you know, so, of course, that kind of makes him seem like, okay, did he, like, like, if he did it, would he be crying as hard? It kind of reminded me of Lizzie Borden again. Yes. Because, you know, she was totally normal during her trial. And then they they brought out the skulls of her dad and her stepmom and she broke down. So did that maybe soften the jury a little bit, seeing him react this way, hearing about how his little girl died? Possibly. For sure. It possibly could have. Yeah. You know? And I think that did work a little in his favor, ultimately. Yeah. Because, you know... But then they had a toxicology examiner come in. The same thing you talked about with, like, the spermatozoa. And, you know, it was found in tissue samples from Jerry Ann, which is awful. I hate seeing tissue samples in regards to a four-month-old baby. A four-month-old baby. baby. Oh, yeah. Breaks your heart. And so it was like, you know, they kind of seemed like they had a lot of really solid evidence. They really yeah. did. Yeah. Um, There was something, so in the first week of December in 1984, there was a baby's hairbrush as well as bloodstains that were found in an antique car when this car was towed from Ralph Richard's body shop in Pawtucket Mm -hmm. to another shop in Providence for more repairs. The owner of J&R Auto Repair in Providence, Rhode Island, Mm -hmm. Joseph Riccio, he called police after he received this car and, you know, he popped the hood mm-hmm. and he found the baby's hairbrush. That's so bizarre. And there's blood in the back seat. And he's like, um, hello, like, this is really sketchy. Like, I'm very unnerved by this. Yeah. Um, and the car was at Ralph's shop for restoration work right at the time that Jerry Ann disappeared. Mm-hmm. So why put the baby's hairbrush in the hood of a car? And you think, too, if this is Ralph's shop, and this shop was located downstairs from their apartment. Yeah. In a converted former auto dealership. Yeah. So it's like, who would have had access to 
the car. I know it's an antique car, so you might not need the keys and like a whole, a whole start situation right. to open the hood. Right. Someone probably could have popped Just the hood popped open. It. Right. Yeah. So I don't think that necessarily implicates Ralph, but it's mm-hmm. very suspicious that this car was under his care, I guess. Right. He was responsible for this car right at the time his daughter disappeared. Ugh. And then you find a baby's hairbrush in this car that is downstairs from the guy's apartment. Yeah, and blood in the back seat. And blood in the back seat. I wonder why there was no information on whether they tested that or not. Right, there was why no... Why not, is what I'm wondering. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's the 80s, so it's not like you can do a whole lot right, with it. Right, right. You could at least do, like, blood type match. Kind of right. like if Jerry was A positive and so was the blood in the back seat. Okay. You know exactly. That's so weird. Yeah. So that's a little, little suspicious. Yeah. Um, what I think is also a little suspicious is that the couple had moved to Bloomington, Indiana, shortly after this crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then they were arrested on May eleventh, nineteen eighty-five, for Jerry Ann's murder. Yeah. And it's crazy because, like, when they got to court and stuff, I saw it in a few places that. Uh, Ralph kind of turned on Donna yeah, a little bit. And there was this one part where the defense was like, Ralph, you know, gave a variety of explanations. He came up with a whole bunch of things. And he was especially reaching at straws with how his how sperm, period, was mm-hmm. found on her body. And he said maybe that his wife masturbated him while he was asleep. What the fuck? Yeah. And then she, like, stole his sperm and, like, put it in her baby girl. Um, and then also said that he, you know, had masturbated into a towel or whatever, like, you know, men do when they're unhappy in their marriage. And <laughs> um, and maybe he, like, he or she used it to wipe it onto Jerry Ann. I know. Which, honestly, as disgusting as that sounds, I would rather somebody place the sperm on and around her rather than rape her absolutely if that is what happened yeah i agree with it's you still disturbing and very disgusting that someone mm-hmm. would think to do that and carry that out if that is what happened right but at least that does not involve someone penetrating right. a four month old an infant right and one of the um prosecutors was like if she's crazy enough to kill her own child then she's crazy enough to do something like that you know like jerk him off in his sleep although yeah. i don't know how you wouldn't wake up to that you know or der- i know i know right i know but, right whatever unless she slipped him an ambient or something right. but right. now again it's grasping at straws right this is like really trying to make her him seem innocent right so he turned on her like you wouldn't believe yeah which is so crazy and sad but like yeah 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 um and then while that was happening Donna was arrested. I mean, they were arrested together, but she was started her trial and she was charged or she was on trial for first degree murder of Jerry Ann. And, you know, it was the whole thing where she was unaware that her husband had raped Jerry Ann. So she took her in the shower. She wouldn't stop crying and she just bludgeoned her to death. Unrelated. Right. I roll my eyes. (laughs) And then it turns out that Ralph was actually never charged because there was a lack of evidence. Yeah. And so subsequently, Donna was never charged. That was, like, nuts. And in court, it was a huge drama. Mm-hmm. So during this trial, there was a lot of shit that came out. Mm-hmm. Um, May 6th, 1986 was a very important day in court for this trial. Okay. 
Um, so prosecution presented evidence from Jerry Ann's babysitter, oh. as well as a woman who alleged that Ralph had an affair with her. <gasps> so oh, this was where the prosecution rolled it in, dropped a huge bomb mm-hmm. with the babysitter, and then dropped a whole other bomb with this woman who Ralph had an affair with. Dude. So Jerry Ann's babysitter gave a statement that the T-shirt Jerry Ann was wearing when her body was found, as well as a sleeper found near her body in the alley, mm-hmm. were not the clothes the babysitter had put on her just the day before the disappearance. Oh. And Ralph and Donna had both told police when they were initially investigated that they also did not change the baby's clothes out of the ones the babysitter put her in. So that, I think, too, is a little suspicious because like, I don't have to have a four-month-old kid to know that babies spit up. They <sighs> piss and shit themselves. All the if you're time. feeding a baby, it's going to be messy. They're going to dribble right. on themselves and right. drool and snot and all these other... <sighs> you're preaching to the choir here. Right. So it's like if the babysitter puts a four-month-old in an outfit the day before, the night before... Yeah. The babysitter did not put this kid to sleep, and also you're not changing your kid or feeding your kid and keeping your kid in the same outfit. Like, I think that's kind of neglectful. I agree. So I don't know what these parents are talking about. Like, Yeah. Either way, it doesn't help their case. Either way, no, thank you. Either way, it does not help their case. Yikes. So the babysitter was the 59th witness called to stand by the prosecution. So the state of Rhode Island is like, let's get these motherfuckers. Oh, my God. The 59th. Yeah. So either way, the jury's like thinking to themselves, they're like, ooh, yeah. this is really not good for the parents. Yeah. Either they look like liars because they did change the clothes mm-hmm. and are lying about it, or right. they look neglectful for admitting not changing this kid's outfit for a whole day. Right. That's so bizarre. I didn't hear that. And then the woman comes in. The other woman comes into the courtroom. The other woman. The other woman. Her name's Priscilla Dixon. She told the jury that Richard was, quote, impotent (laughs) just two days before he allegedly raped Jerry Ann. He had the affair two days before. Oh, God. Bomb drop. Yeah. She also stated that he was nervous and not wearing a wedding ring when they tried to have sex. Mm, Because he was impotent. At a Cape Cod motel. And he also never told her that he was married. Or had a baby. Because she asked him, she's like, are you married? He's like, no, I'm not wearing a ring, (laughs) haha. As he's nervous and sweating and, yeah, so. so. It almost seems like maybe he's trying to get rid of his life before. Right, and like why, yeah. Just being, just being gross, he's being (sighs) gross. So prosecution later used this evidence, especially the impotence part, Mm -hmm. to try to determine that Ralph had been so frustrated with his impotence that he raped his baby. Oh. That's awful. And they claim, the prosecution claimed, that Richard told police separately during a separate interrogation Mm -hmm. that his wife killed the baby after finding out about this affair just two days prior. Oh. Yeah, so that's another huge piece of the theory that came into light after this woman was rolled in. So these two witnesses were huge. Yeah. Fucking awesome. Good for them. Brave. (sighs) Nuts. And yet still nothing came of it. No fucking ridiculous no and he was saying in court he's like i don't have a problem i'm not impotent i have no right. issues with that i, have I no can get it up for you right now <laughs> yeah. just show me a picture of a baby and i'll <laughs> sorry that was terrible <laughs> yeah so the trial progresses whatever and then like you said liz on may 22nd 1986 ralph richard was found not guilty of three felony counts of first-degree child molestation, mm-hmm. obstruction of justice, and conspiracy to obstruct justice. 
and two misdemeanor charges of filing a false police report and conspiracy oh. to file a police report. Huh. They're just tacking them on. They're just tacking them on. They're yeah. trying to get him for anything and everything yeah. because they think this guy raped his four-month-old kid. Right, right. Yeah. So because he was acquitted, mm-hmm. they couldn't use his evidence to pin anything on Donna Richards, so they had to drop her case as well. Right. And it's crazy because the, there was one thing that came out during the trial, and that was something that was seen prior to Jerry Ann's disappearance. Yeah. It came out that two Pawtucket police officers saw a ladder going up to the Richards' apartment. And this was before Jerry Ann was abducted. Like, not that night, but, like, days before. Days before. Like, days leading up to this. Yeah. So what did the police do? They were like, oh, here's a ladder to an open window. Let's climb it. It would not be an episode (laughs) of True Crime New England where you want to bash your head against a wall after reading (laughs) what a police officer did with this investigation. Right. Definitely. So they literally climbed up and they were like, they saw the parents sleeping and they were like, oh, precious. (laughs) Cute. Maybe we'll tuck them in and kiss on the forehead. Like, what are you doing in their house? So stupid. You're in their house. What are you doing? And then they just climbed back down and just went on their way. (laughs) They were like, oh, they were just sleeping. I'm sorry. But there's a a ladder to an open window. You would think that they would realize, okay, someone could climb into this family's house like we just did. Let's move the ladder. Mm -hmm. Nope. Yeah. Yep. They got in so much trouble for that, Mm -hmm. actually, because they didn't have a warrant to enter. They're literally, they're trespassing. Right. Literally. I can't. Into their bedroom. And they didn't do anything with the ladder. They left it propped up against the open window. Right. So it's like if the parents were not involved in this and somebody did tiptoe in and steal the baby, which I guess it would be that easy if there's a ladder leading to an open fucking window. And they don't wake up to the police officers coming in and kissing them goodnight. (laughs) That part's speculation. (laughs) That part's on us. but. (laughs) But still. But still. So that really strengthens the theory that the parents might not have done this. Yeah. That's the only thing, really. And that's crazy. And they did... That was proven to have happened. So it's not like that was just some theory. Like, they really did come across that ladder and go yeah. into their house and, yeah. you know, say a bedtime prayer with the family. And then <laughs> it's just, go in and read Jerry and yeah. a bedtime story. Aww, like, precious. <laughs> so it's like, what the fuck? Why did nothing else come of that, you know? And that's the thing with this case, too, is I know that we don't have a ton of information on where certain tidbits led to, like the thing with the car and the whole thing with these guys fully trespassing into their bedroom. (laughs) Like, what? Literally. I know they got in trouble, but... Good. But not enough. Right. They're They're still like, you bet. Little slap on the wrist. Maybe don't go into anybody's house without a warrant next time. Next time, silly goose. (laughs) (laughs) So it's crazy to think that what if... They moved that ladder. Mm-hmm. Maybe things would have been different, different if yeah. it weren't the parents. Right. Even if it was a few days before, like, what if they took in the ladder to evidence, whatever. Right. You know, or just confiscated it. Then there'd be no ladder, period. You know, yeah. whatever. Or just put it on the ground. Like a normal... Or left a note to the family saying, hey, maybe FYI. There was a ladder propped... I know you guys probably use this as to get into your house, but, like, what's the reason? I don't get it. So, even with all that, to this day, 
nobody really knows what happened to Jerry and Richard. No. Who did it? We don't know. And it's funny because these, you know, Donna and Ralph, those two lovebirds coming after each other in court and Mm -hmm. stuff, they, you know, like you said, they moved to Bloomington, Indiana, and they had a baby boy, Matthew James, 19 months after um, Jerry Ann was abducted, quote unquote, and murdered, three days after Donna was acquitted of all of her charges. And then they had another child, and then they eventually divorced and went their separate ways. Uh Uh-huh. Poor family. But I guess that's what happens when you, you know, accuse your wife of masturbating you in your sleep and then putting your sperm on your infant daughter's vagina. Right. Or having an affair and then telling police that your wife killed the baby because she was upset about the affair. Right. Divorce was inevitable. Let's I'm surprised put it that way. Yeah, I'm surprised it didn't happen sooner. I know. They're like, let's fit in two more kids here. Right. Yeah. It's just it's off crazy. So Richard, in a later interview, he stated, "In this country, the golden rule is innocent until proven guilty. I think both of us walked into this thing guilty until proven innocent. Some are still saying we're guilty, mm-hmm. which is a good point. It is a good point, but I mean, you're guilty. You're, you're guilty of." Having an affair with that other woman. Right. And you pissed her off. Right. It's not nothing. It's not nothing. Right. So it's like, what the fuck? <sighs> yeah. And then another thing he said was, we were victims here. What happened to our baby happened to us, and no one should think differently. Which is true. They did lose a child. However, but it's also like, but if you did it. Right. How did you lose the kid exactly? Right. right. And then it's also funny because both of the Richards, they were like, this incident brought us together. Losing our daughter brought us together and brought us closer. And, you know, and then it's changed a lot of things in our life. And then I wrote, this is ironic. After having another son, the couple divorced. <laughs> because, like, oh, my God, we got so close after that. Oh, my God. And then they're like, fuck you, bitch. Right. They're at each other's throats mm-hmm. again. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah. fucking crazy. And that's the horrifying case of the murder of Jerry Ann Richard. So if anybody has any information about what the fuck could have happened to this four-month-old baby girl. If you guys have theories, let us know. Yeah. I think it's pretty pretty cut and dry. Like, I think the parents or one of them probably... It's a little suspicious. Yeah, I think that's probably the most logical explanation. Yeah. Which is sad. It is sad. And especially now that it's been 37 years and baby Jerry and there's no answers for her Mm -hmm. no justice which is awful poor little baby girl four months old and the way that she died too so violent and personal if she was hit three times it's because she didn't die after the first time which we know because her lungs were bruised bruised yeah so it took at least three she must have been so much pain so much pain yeah which is also brings the question why did no one hear her anywhere that's a different kind of shriek you know yeah when a baby's in pain yeah or if it did happen in the home Mm -hmm. neighbors might be thinking oh you know it's a four-month-old baby they scream they shriek whatever yeah it's true yeah fucked up man that's a crazy one yeah and i think a really good cliffhanger to end you know this year with yeah for true crime new england and so true 
you know, moving on to 2022 some fucking hell. That's insane. Gross. Yeah. So we started with an unsolved cold case and we're kind of ending in a way with an unsolved cold case. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't think of that. So what can we say? Here we are. Doing it. Doing it. (laughs) And it's been so fun. Yeah. 25 episodes, dude. And we have so many good cases lined up for you guys for the coming episodes after this. We have so many good mm-hmm. cases lined up. We have them all like mapped out. We have for like the first an A-list few. roster. Yeah, it's, so amazing. Yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, we got surprised. You just made like a sports reference. That was great. A-list roster. Oh, really? oh yeah, I, guess I love is, that. I guess, yeah, I guess this is sports somebody reference. is quirky. <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding. Cut that out. No, <laughs> Steven. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, so we've got so much coming up. Some yeah. really good ones. Our list, we've talked about it before. We have, like, this spreadsheet of all these cases. We're at, like, almost 300 now. Yeah. So we are working on it. We will have so many cases to cover. Mm-hmm. So much to do. We're going to continue with those case profiles that Katie is putting so much effort in. And it, she's killing it. So great job. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at true crime any all lowercase and you can email us at true crime any at gmail.com or you can find us on our website website at true crime we have a submission tool where you can send us your cases that you'd like for us to cover mm-hmm. you can be anonymous if you want to put your name and contact info if you want to mm-hmm. we'll read Webs, them yeah We'll talk about them on here if you want, or yeah. if not, you can just send us stuff that you think we'd find interesting. Right. Because we'll probably find it interesting. We most definitely will. Yeah. It's awesome. So with that, happy holidays. Happy holidays, and thank you guys as always. Yes, whatever you celebrate, l'chaim, Merry Christmas, whatever you do, or nothing at all. We hope right. you have a good stretch of December. Yes. And hope it's good. I hope the weather's nice to you. I hope coronavirus just suddenly disappears. Oh, please. Uh, I hope you are happy and healthy, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Goodbye.